What was your dad like when you were a child? The problem with this topic is that it's so broad I could write volumes, so it's necessary to take a very tight focus to avoid getting swamped in scattered details that are hard to connect. So the topic at hand is my father and aviation. My father never had pilot training or any professional connection to aviation, but from casting my thoughts over the, his life, it's clear he had a keen interest. Who would? Born in 1920, he would have been just the right age to have been fascinated by Lindbergh's solo transatlantic flight in 1927. He experienced the awesome growth of aviation from this time through the explosive growth during World War II, the coming of the space age, and into the great discoveries such as the Hubble Space Telescope, manned lunar landings, probes to Mars, Venus, and beyond the solar system, as well as the globalization of jet air travel. I don't doubt his father had a similar interest. Dad talked of taking a plane flight with his family to Mexico City about 1931. In that day, we took the train to Brownsville, Texas, and then boarded a Ford Trimotor Tin Goose for the flight to Mexico City. You can look up the Tin Goose on the internet. It was, of course, slow, noisy, unpressurized, breezy. It featured wicker seats, one on each side with a center aisle. Admiral Byrd had already flown one of them over the South Pole about 1929. Its skin was mostly corrugated metal. It was powered by three engines, one on each wing and one on the nose. There were still a few of them flying in the 1960s, but you'd likely only see one in a museum now. The way my father described the trip showed that he had taken a keen interest in the adventure. Dad's father died in 1940. My father came home from Boston to the funeral flying on a Boeing Stratocruiser, which would have been novel and expensive at the time, Novel enough that he went back to MIT on the train. Dad's younger brother, Barkley, was a Navy pilot. I remember the two of them discussing various aspects of aviation with great glee on numerous occasions. Bark's interest in aviation would have grown out of a strong interest in the family for aviation and for technology. Bark was later the first person to fly a helicopter across Africa. Dad's work took him on many trips over the years, and he purely enjoyed the adventure of flying. He was often looking for ways to get a flight somewhere. When I was 10, we did a family trip to St. Joseph, Missouri. Instead of having my uncles drive us back to the Kansas City airport, which would have taken maybe an hour, he booked a charter flight from the little St. Joseph airport. I remember the four of us piling into the little plane and buzzing on down to catch the flight back to New York from the then overcrowded Kansas City airport. We always seemed to be driving to LaGuardia or Idlewild airports to meet someone, see someone off, or get on a plane. In 1960, we flew to Europe for a family vacation, as well as some work by my father at a physics conference in Italy. We took a Pan Am 707 from Idlewild, the first time I had been on a jet. It was remarkable how rapidly and steeply it climbed. I remember that he dropped a coin to show me the steepness of the climb. Dad found other occasions to get in some flying. Brookhaven Laboratory had an airplane and a full-time pilot to get staff around. One time, we took a family trip to Princeton to visit a colleague of my father's and to attend a Princeton football game. Somehow, Dad got the use of the lab's plane and piled this onto it as a quick way to get to Princeton. He sat in the front seat and chatted happily with Charlie Moore, the lab's pilot, about navigation. At one point, we were now nearing Kennedy Airport, and the pilot pointed to a jet on the runway far below, and he said, See that? It's coming right up this way. Sure enough, the thing took off, made a sweeping turn, and came up in our general direction. Moore let my father take the controls a good part of the way. 
Dad sometimes talked about Charlie talked about Charlie Moore's adventures. One time, Moore was deadheading through the clouds somewhere in Pennsylvania. He was writing in his log when he happened to look up to see a TWA constellation coming straight at him. He took extreme evasive measures and avoided a collision but threw himself into a spin. Next thing he knew, he was clipping through the trees upside down. He came to rest hanging upside down from a tree. He survived with several broken ribs and went back to flying as soon as he recovered. Mom and Dad had some friends named Beatty. John Beatty had been a classmate of Dad's at MIT. Dad said John had tried to solve impossible problems and attack what is known as the three-body problem for his undergraduate thesis. This would have been an analytic way to describe the motion of three objects rotating around each other. The two-body problem was solved long ago, but this remained a puzzle, and John should have known it would not yield to an undergraduate's outsized ambition. But he would not let go of it and ultimately failed to find a solution. I believe the solution to the three-body problem still eludes. John's stubborn nature stood him in good stead later in life when he went into business for himself, inventing a coating for sunglasses that would respond to changing light conditions, getting darker on the sunny day and getting lighter indoors. He made a lot of money. And one day he came into work to discover that his partner had raided the safe, stolen all the company funds and fled the country. Though bankrupt, John built a new business and became wealthy once again. I remember a trip to Connecticut to inspect the PD's new house designed by a top architect and at a very early age feeling impressed by the success. I'm not certain, but I think John had another bankruptcy and another recovery of fortune later on. Anyway, he was quite, a pro he was quite prosperous later and he and his wife owned a twin engine plane and both of them had full instrument ratings. John and his wife, Millie, would sometimes fly over from Connecticut for dinner in Bellport. I remember that as a pilot, John was strictly prohibited from drinking 24 hours before flying but also that he was a diabetic and had to cheat to pass the physical to get his pilot's license renewed. Once the bees flew my parents up to visit us in Ithaca. During the night, the rain turned to ice, and when we drove to the tiny, tiny Ithaca airport the next day, <clears throat> the plane had, de had to be de-iced in order to take off. This was a lengthy process, but eventually, undaunted, they kept to their plans, climbed aboard, and headed off, assured by a weather report that the temperature was above freezing once they got above a certain altitude. I watched the plane roar off down the runway, lift off, waggle alarming, and rise into the clouds. The weather forecast proved to be correct. I remember the comparison between the private sector and government employee, which was my father's choice. He said the possibilities of wealth, or of wealth were greater in the private sector, but so were the risks. This was evident from John Beatty's career. At one point, Dad was offered a position as the vice president of Xerox to move to Stanford and head a new materials science division. There were attractive stock options involved. He mulled it over a while and turned it down. Not long afterwards, Xerox fortunes tanked. Dad also did a lot of consulting for Pratt and Whitney in Detroit, in, in Connecticut, who were building fan blades for jet engines. Dad's specialization was crystal defects, and they were very interested in making fan blades with no defects. He once happily showed me a commemorative fan blade awarded to him for work on growing an entire fan blade made a single crystal. <clears throat>